0: Well, welcome. Welcome to this uh, first Sunday in 2023 and the conclusion of our series on Emmanuel, God with us. So the prophecy uh, spoken by the prophet Isaiah was quoted in Matthew. Uh, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that's a prophecy at uh, Jesus' birth, and we've been considering how God has come to us, to be with us. And so, in Jesus Christ, uh, he came to earth and took a body and dwelt among us. Today, uh, we're going to move to a slightly different question, and that's taking up what Scripture talks about and says... In us, that God's spirit is going to come to dwell in us, and that would be a new thing. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open your word to us this morning, and we would understand more of the bigness and the newness and the greatness of what you've done. And Father, we're thankful this morning for your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus often taught uh, using stories. He would tell stories that were sort of memorable, he used kind of everyday events that people could relate to. So I thought, well, I'm going to try. I'm going to start off with a story this morning. Here it is. There was a couple who owned a house. They had lived there for many years, raised a family, and had many happy memories, but time had come to sell it. So in order to achieve the best uh, price, they repainted the interior, uh, fixed all those little broken things they'd been living with for years, and then finally, the day came, the sale was completed, the house sold. And they happened to meet uh, the new owner. They happily told him about the blessing the house had been to them and and wished him many happy years living there. But to their shock, he replied, yes, this lot will soon be the site of my new house. The present house is going to be demolished and I'm going to build a new one. Former owners were shocked to hear this. What was wrong with the existing house, they asked. Okay, so maybe that story helps you think, kind of get into how the disciples felt being with Jesus as they thought it was going to be like this. And they discovered as they traveled with Jesus, no, it was going to be way bigger than that. It was going to be way newer than that. God had much bigger things in mind. They thought the old house, say the old covenant, was doing fine. When Jeremiah spoke those words for the first time, a new covenant, it was shocking. What do you mean new covenant? Yahweh gave us this covenant eight centuries ago. What do you you mean? What are you talking about a new covenant? But yet, Jesus made it clear to us there had to be a new covenant, right? The old covenant was not capable of fulfilling the righteous requirements of the law. Man couldn't do it. So uh, Jesus is introducing uh, a new uh, a new era that's much bigger than the disciples realize. So just a couple more examples. This time, not, not my story, but but the scripture. Uh, what's, uh, Mark four. Uh, you know how they're in a storm on the lake. And Jesus uh, is asleep, but they wake him up and, and he speaks to the wind and the waves, and they obey. They settle down, and there's complete calm. And you know what You remember the disciples' reaction? They were terrified, and they said, "What kind of a man is this?" Jesus was way bigger than they thought. In, in John six. Jesus feeds a huge crowd. At least 5,000 people were there. All got fed. And the people thought what they needed was bread to sustain their present life. But Jesus replied, no, no. What you need is not bread to sustain your present life. You need a new life. And you can only get that life by believing in me. In fact, Jesus, uh, to make the point unavoidable, Jesus uses the sort of horrifying metaphor of, he says, listen, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. So it's not about, it's not about bread that's going to sustain your present life. It's much bigger than that. The Jews thought that they needed deliverance. Right, They thought they needed deliverance from oppression, from other nations. But Jesus told them in John chapter 8, he said, no. Now what you really need, you need deliverance from sin. In fact, you're slaves. You need to be set free. You need me to set you free from slavery. Of course, they were shocked. Okay, Acts 1. Uh, After Jesus' resurrection, you remember the disciples come to Jesus. They're exuberant. Is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus replies, no. It's bigger than that. Repentance and forgiveness of sins is going to be proclaimed in all nations. He's going to send them out, right? He's going to send them, he says to the remotest the farthest parts of the earth to fulfill that mission that he's giving them. Okay. Last last scripture story and then we'll uh we'll uh, the uh Mark 13 toward the end of the book of Mark, uh Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem and as they're walking out of the temple, you remember one of the disciples turns and says, "Jesus, teacher, Look at these stones. They're huge, tremendous stones. Look at these buildings. They're, they're magnificent. And Jesus says, you know, it's all going to be knocked down. Completely level. There's not going to be one stone left on another. He'd already told the uh, woman of Samaria uh, something like that, hadn't he? He said, you know, you think you're supposed to worship here. That would be Mount Gerizim where the Samaritans had their center of worship. And he said, no, that's wrong. It's not in Mount Gerizim. But it's not in Jerusalem either. The Father wants people to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And you know, where that, that temple, uh, was, that place of worship Jesus was revealing to them was actually Himself. Right there. He was the object of worship. The place of worship was right there at Jesus' feet. Okay. We'll, uh, talk more about that right here. Uh, let's turn to John chapter 14. Yeah. Okay. One of our questions this morning, uh, Jesus says this to his disciples. Now remember John 14? There, Jesus last night, before the betrayal, he's gathered his disciples in the room. Uh, Judas has, has been sent out. He's left, and now he's speaking intimately to his closest disciples. He says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Of course, Jesus is the advocate. We learn elsewhere in John's writings. Uh, but he's going to give them another advocate to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. You know him. Because he resides with you. And he will be in you. So what's this will be? What's this not yet? Also, John 16, a couple chapters later, still in the upper room here, Jesus explains to the disciples, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I'm going away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Why is that? Why why couldn't the advocate come until Jesus left? Well, let's look back into this issue of the temple and the spirit. Okay. Back in the Old Testament, you remember, God signified his special presence by a pillar of fire or a cloud during the day, a glory cloud over the tabernacle in the wilderness. And you remember when the people received the law on Mount Sinai, uh, that fire on the top of the mountain signified that the special presence of God. So God was showing the people this was his special presence that was with them. And he was going to stay with them. They were going to be his special possession, his special people. And his uh, demonstration that he had his special presence with them and wasn't going to leave them was signified by this glory cloud. Acts chapter 2. Pillars, I'll call them tongues, pillars of fire over each of the heads of the disciples gathered there. I think what Luke is telling us is he's drawing together the Old Testament picture of the special presence of God with his people. And he's saying, now a new era has come. When Jesus was on earth, his body was... The temple. That is, that place where God had his special presence. God demonstrated his glory. But now, Jesus had been taken up from earth. Where was God's presence going to be? Jesus had already explained, this temple with stones in Jerusalem, it's, it's gone. It's gone. I mean, it's going to be a couple decades, but it's gone. Jesus is with the right hand of the Father. So where is God's special presence today? It's in his people. God's showing us at Pentecost that God's bringing his special presence to dwell with people in a new way. And this is what Jesus was pointing to in John chapter 14 and 16. He was saying, I'm going to leave But that's a good thing for you, because the Holy Spirit is going to indwell you in a new way. I think we've got the scripture from... Ah, okay, there we go. The pillar of fire, God's special presence in the Old Testament, and the tongues of fire over each of the disciples. Here we go. Acts chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to have to, believe it or not, without my glasses, I can't read it on that back screen. So we're going to have to turn to it here. Okay. Acts chapter 2. Now, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a violent wind blowing came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And tongues spreading out like a fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. So just a quick aside. Uh, When I was saved, I didn't have a tongue of fire come to rest on me. And I didn't speak in tongues. But that's okay. The, the, that is not, I think, the normative experience for this age. God was showing it in a special way to make it clear to everyone what he was doing. Just as the temple in Jerusalem, Solomon's temple, uh, did not perpetually have a cloud above it. So God's special presence was there. Uh, in Jerusalem, and Solomon's temple, just as it is with each one of us who believe in Jesus. We don't always see it. We're not going to see the tongue of fire. We may not speak in tongues, but it is still the reality for this age. God has done a new thing, and it's changing so many things for us. Let's talk about a few of them, what it means to be in this new age where it's no longer, well, the first, the first change was that in the old covenant, if you wanted to meet God, you had to come to where the temple was, right? Right? You had to gather. In fact, Yahweh ordered, he said, listen, there's feasts. You need to travel to those feasts and come to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place to worship me. And in this age, what do we find in the book of Acts? The people of God are going to be scattered. They're going to be scattered everywhere. And everywhere they go, They are going to build communities of people worshiping God, the Father, through Jesus Christ, the Son. Here we are. We're thousands of miles away from Jerusalem. I'm not even Jewish that I know of. I've never taken the DNA test, but I don't think I am. Uh, but, But that's okay. Because, you know, in the past, you had to be part of God's special people. To put it back in Old Testament terms, I was an Amorite. You remember those guys? Those were the nations that God told Joshua, you're going to wipe them out. These nations are under a sentence of death and destruction. You're supposed to destroy them completely. And everyone on earth is under that same sentence. That sentence of destruction for sin. Unless you are joined to the people of God. Like Rahab, the harlot. What did she do? She became part of the people of God. She's even in the line of Christ. But that's like us. Here I was. I was an Amorite. I was an outsider. And now I'm part of the people of God. who have access to God to worship him. The priesthood. God, under the old covenant, had a special group of people called priests, and they were the only ones who could enter the temple and serve there. You could go into the outer courts if you were a Jew, for people like me couldn't even go there, right? Uh, So that was how it was. But now, with God's new covenant, what, is, what does he say about us? He says, everyone has gifts. The Holy Spirit has been given to everyone. He doesn't have a special class of people. That's, that's incidentally part of why this church doesn't have a, a senior pastor or, any, or head pastor or something like that. Because it's really important, that point that you don't have to have a theology degree or something like that to be part of God's work here, okay? You don't have to even have a public gift of speaking in front. I don't know if I have a public gift anyway, but God uses every one of us. He gifts us differently, and we are part of his household, all of us are uh, able to enter God's presence and worship him. And there's another scripture, again, too long to, to put up on the screen. So let's, uh, if you've got a Bible, grab it. We're going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter has a, a pretty extensive teaching here that, that makes it so clear. It's, it's beautiful. It starts about verse 4 of uh, First Peter 2. It's going to talk about this new temple. So as you come to him, that's Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but chosen and priceless in God's sight. You yourselves as living stones are built up as a spiritual house, Okay, there's a lot of metaphors here. Okay, so Jesus is the main stone. He's the cornerstone. He's where you start. The whole building's built on top of him. But each one of us, we get to be part of this building too, don't we? We're living stones too. You know why we're living stones? Because we have God's Holy Spirit in us. That's what qualifies us to be living stones in his holy building. Okay, you're built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This was something that you could only do. First of all, you had to be a Jew, and then you had to be a Levite, and then even all the Levites weren't qualified to offer sacrifices, right? You had to be the the special uh, descendants of Aaron, to, to be to do that and here Peter writes a book not only to Jews but to Gentiles too and says you guys too you are a, a holy priesthood and you're offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ for it says in scripture look I lay in Zion a stone, a chosen and priceless cornerstone, and whoever believes in him will never be put to shame. So whatever persecutions we endure in this life, and Peter's writing to people who were undergoing persecution, whatever hardships we have, you know, that is never going to change, uh, your status as part of God's house. So you who believe, see his value. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Peter's quoting from the Old Testament prophets, obviously, here. And a stumbling stone, and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own. Stop there for just a second, a mid-sentence. These words were spoken in Exodus 19. They were spoken to the Jewish nation. And these were some of the most precious promises that a Jew could read and, and celebrate. Look at what God has said about me. I'm a Jew. I'm a chosen race. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm set apart. I'm his own people. He's chosen me out of all the nations to specially bless and have his presence with us. Those were all precious promises of the Jewish nation. And here... Peter quotes him and speaks to us and says, these are true of you too now. These are true of you too. So that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what are we now enabled to do? We're built up this new family. It's Proclamation. Wasn't that part of what Jesus told his disciples they were going to be up to? Waiting for the kingdom of the restoration of the kingdom to Israel? Well, that was going to happen. But first, there had to be proclamation. Jesus had decreed they were going to proclaim uh, forgiveness of sins, repentance and forgiveness of sins to the ends of the earth. Okay, Proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people. Oh, is that ever true of a non-Jews? Yeah. But now you are God's people. You were shown no mercy, but now you have received mercy. So the Holy Spirit in this age... Part of the newness of the new age of the new covenant is this pouring out of the Holy Spirit on each one of us, making us into a new house, a new temple, where God is worshipped. God praise goes up to God uh, from from this temple, and we enter in this temple. We enter into God's presence. Just as Jesus said to the Samaritan woman. Jesus, God's looking for people to worship him. In spirit and in truth. And you Samaritans aren't going to be excluded from that. Neither are the Gentile nations. Another... Aspect of this pouring out of the spirit in this age, this spirit indwelling us. In the past, God's special people were unified because. Well, because they were one people, they were all descendants of Abraham, that's what made you a Jew, you had to be an Abrahamic descendant to be part of that people. Uh, Now, uh, God's house is being built up with Many peoples. Uh, the end of Matthew, the end of Luke, both use these words to all nations, or some translations to all peoples. Okay, and we know who people are—that's individuals. But this is looking at the world like like nations, different languages, different tribes, different uh, ethnic groups, maybe even. If you come from many societies in the world, they actually have like a caste system where people are divided from each other by that. Jesus is saying, all of you, all of you are going to be part of my new house. There's no one going to be excluded uh, from this structure. In fact, that's part of God's plan to bring glory to himself and to Jesus Christ, right? He says there's going to be in front of the throne. There's going to be people from every people, tribe, tongue and nation to worship God before his throne. He's going to redeem people from everywhere. Be part of his house. There's so much more to say. Uh, but I'll, but I'll, uh, I'll say this. I'll say this. If you are a stranger, if you are not part of God's family, you know, you can only become part of God's family by receiving Jesus Christ. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that will come to indwell your heart. the Holy Spirit's going to work. He's going to work to purify you. He's going to work to unify you with others. He's going to reveal things to you. He's going to reveal uh, what's in your own heart. He's going to witness to your heart that that you can call him Abba, Father. the Holy Spirit's going to empower you. He's going to empower you with giftedness. Again, everyone has a different gift. There are many kinds. uh, But the Holy Spirit gives, gives gifts. And finally... Empower you with boldness to witness. You know, when the people entered uh, the land, the promised land, with Joshua in charge, you know how many times the words were either Moses or the Lord spoke to Joshua and said, Hey, Joshua, be strong and courageous. In fact, be very strong and courageous. You look in Acts chapter 4 and the disciples gathering together, to pray about the threats against them. And what does it say? They, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and with boldness to witness. So I am blessed to work in a ministry. I am humbled and blessed. I work on behalf of people who actually do face beatings and imprisonment and other things like that for... Uh, their faithfulness to jesus christ so that is a very real thing today but even where we are right here god wants us to be filled with the holy spirit and with boldness as we witness well let's pray and i guess we've got a couple more uh songs and we'll depart anyway heavenly father uh we pray that your uh holy spirit would be Powerfully working in our hearts, in this congregation gathered together here in the year ahead in 2023 and beyond. Uh, Father, we uh, know that you have given us your precious gifts that we were not a people and now we are a people. We had no access to your presence. We were excluded and now we're invited to come and offer sacrifices that are acceptable to you through Jesus Christ. Anyway, Father, we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.